That is what we're talking about today. Well, before we go back to that, welcome to the house of belonging. I don't know how you feel about that today. You might not feel like you belong, but you are here, God is here, and we are here together, so you belong. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to stand and participate in a body prayer with me. We've done this before, and if it would be more meaningful for you in a moment, you could still stand and treat it like a stretching exercise. But if you'd like to participate in a body prayer, I have this body prayer we've done before where instead of using words that sometimes can get in the way, we use our body to commune and communicate with God in a different way. And so we're going to put our bodies in different postures to represent a few things. And here's how it's going to go. The first is to let it go. And we're just going to lean over, which in the pews you can do your best, and let it go. And we'll hold that. And then we're going to put our arms in the air You know what's vulnerable in summer? Putting your arms in the air. But you know what? It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's vulnerable. And it's safe. Because you belong here. We're going to put our arms in the air, and we're going to be filled by God's belonging. And then we are going to take that in for ourselves. Right? We're going to belong and come home to ourselves in our belonging with God. And then finally, we are going to open our arms And we're going to share that with others. That is the body prayer. And it's so important today because we're in this series where this body prayer is represented in the weeks of the series. Where first week, Carrie told us God is a God of belonging and is inviting us into belonging. So that is what we are filling ourselves up with. And Susie then spoke last week about belonging to ourselves, coming home to ourselves in that identity of belonging. And then today that we belong to each other, and we do that together. So if you would stand and join with me in prayer, not with words, but with simply your body, first letting it go and tipping over. Once you've let go whatever's getting in the way of your belonging today, let it go and then stand Arms up like a big filter, receiving in God's love and the belonging you have as a child of God, citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And then to take that in for yourself, to come home to that identity of belonging, to receive. And then we turn out and we share that with others, not smacking anybody in the nose. And we do this together. We spread love. Amen. You may be seated. Well, our scripture passage today is the theme of one another's, the multiple theme of one another's in scripture, which are this guide for us how to be the children of God in this life. How to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven. How do we live this identity here? How do we do that? By loving one another, serving one another, greeting one another with a holy kiss. I think that's a little cultural, but still could be relevant today. 
That is our guide. There's another piece of ancient uh, wisdom from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and you've probably heard this, that a cord of three strands is not easily broken, right? You've heard this wisdom, cord of three strands, not easily broken. And it comes from this passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 where it says, two are better than one, and then goes through some benefits of two and reducing the vulnerability of being one. And here's what it says in in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if you are if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. I wonder for us today if you read this and you're like, I don't feel as physically vulnerable as that suggests. Actually, I feel quite safe in my body. Perhaps you're wondering more about your emotions, your heart, your identity, and are you safe there? So a rope, do you know why a rope is stronger than just the sum of its parts? You can look it up on the internet too and find out that it's actually the braiding together. In this case, this rope is twisted together. And what happens, right? Like each little strand has an amount of strength to it. Like it can hold a certain amount of weight before it breaks. But when you put those together into a rope, it becomes so much stronger than if you just took all those strands, lined them up, and put some weight on them. Right? It's, it's, its capacity is way more. And the reason why is because when you twist the rope together or braid the strands together, you're you're creating some curves and some, some space, and each strand is allowed to stretch a little less and compress a little more. It has room. It has, it has space around it and support. So when you braid a rope together, what you do is you put all these individual units together in, into one. They're together, and they stay together. You have a unit But then also, second, you now have something that can stretch, and the capacity is increased when they are together in that way. And maybe as you hear this, you're already beginning to think of how that applies to your life in relationship with others, how two are better than one, and even just the magic that it doesn't take a lot, just one more person increases dramatically the reduction of your vulnerability. So, when you're in a relationship with others and you are braided together, just like a rope, there's something that holds you together, makes you a unit. You know, with your friends or your small group, your coworkers, you know, these are the things that hold us together. And then, the second benefit, it's also true, that when you are together and you're braided together, there's more space You are not now responsible to carry the whole weight, but there's others who are joining you in that. They're they're helping ease your load as you help ease their load, and together you're increasing the capacity. You're less vulnerable. 
But in order for this to be true, you must be braided together, right? I think we independent Coloradans like to think, ah, I am strong and independent. I do not need to be braided together with others. And then when you come and you see a rope of people braided together, you're like, ooh, I'm interested in that support. I'm interested in that increased capacity. But I'm not so interested that I want to give up my independence. In order to be braided together, you must be connected. You must be woven together with others. So again, I wonder if our feeling of vulnerability isn't so much that when you walk outside, you're going to fall down and no one's going to help you up, but instead, emotional vulnerabilities. I mean, can you even put a name right now or even think this week? What is a name that would describe your vulnerability that you are feeling? You know, would you say, I feel alone or feel not accepted or I feel not enough, or I feel like I'm hiding, or not wanted. I feel vulnerable in this way. Perhaps this week you can put a name, and that can help move toward that, and ask God to join you in that. Well, John Gottman, he's probably the biggest expert name in relationships, and John Gottman made a big discovery through a study he did Maybe you've read about this, where he started with people who just got married and saw them and did things, and then six years later did a follow-up. And in six years, he saw the groups of people, that there's a group of people who stayed together, and there's a group of people who split up. And he noticed the one difference between these two groups, just the one difference, which made all the difference, was Turning toward. Turning toward. He said in this study that the people who were still together turned toward each other 86% of the time. And the people who split up turned toward each other 33% of the time. The one factor was turning toward. Now you might wonder, what does this turning toward even mean? Well, this turning toward is simply paying attention turning your attention and giving it to someone. And he said that there's this interaction that we do where we make bids for connection. We are making bids for connection with each other. And a bid, of connection, bid for connection is any attempt from one person to another for attention, affirmation, affection, or other positive connection. So they're making this bid for connection. And those bids can be verbal or nonverbal. They can be, you know, just a touch. They can be a body gesture. It can be a text message, right? Like, the bids can come in any way. And there's three ways to respond to the bid for connection. And this is where John Gottman's research really was useful. He said, ah, oh, there's the first group, the people who turn toward the people who turn toward are the ones who give their attention when that bid is made. They give their attention. And then there's a second category of response of, of 
turn against. So a bid for connection is it happens, and the person kind of shuts it down or stops it or rejects it. But it still is a it, communication is still happening. There's there's actually some good still happening in that turning it down. But he said the worst one is the third one, which is turning away. And when you turn away from a bid for connection, you simply ignore it, don't acknowledge it. You do not turn toward, but you just stay away. And if there's a bid for connection and then you turn it down, you're leaving that bid for connection hanging. The wanted thing doesn't happen. So he gives this example. Actually, before I give Gottman's example, I love Russell's, my son Russell's best bid for connection. He's just turned 12 yesterday, but when he was like three or four, he would go to the neighbors, knock on Michael and Ellie's door, and say, are your daughters home? And their daughters were like in high school and would babysit him. <laughs> and he just wanted to be with them. And so he'd knock on their door, right? That was his bid for connection. And they probably said yes, and that kept it going. But a bid for connection, John Gotten's example is, you know, you're sitting with somebody and they're looking out the window and they say, oh, look at that pretty boat. And if you turn away, you just ignore it. You're like, hmm. You don't stop what you're doing. You're just like, oh, did you even talk? Right? You just ignore it. A turning against response would be, oh, do not get any ideas about buying a boat. Right? <laughs> Shutting that down. But still, we're in connection. And a turning toward what does a turning toward look like? Maybe just an easy one would be like, oh, setting down what you're doing, looking out the window, seeing the boat, and being like, oh, yeah, you're right, that, that is a nice boat. But an enthusiastic turning toward would be setting what, down what you were doing, seeing the boat, and then saying, hey, man, have you ever thought about just selling it all and go sail the world? Right? Like, they made a bid for connection, and you are enthusiastically going there with them. You're probably already thinking about how this is so revolutionary because we can immediately today apply this in our life by simply paying attention to the bids of connection that are happening. Right? We can pay attention to the bids that we're making. We can also pay attention to the bids that are being made to us. I mean, it could be simply helpful in a learning training way, which Susie and I have been joking around all week doing. Bid for attention. <laughs> making it clear. <laughs> and then also, turning toward. <laughs> right? Just make it a little more clear. But you can also see how this goes the other way. Right? If there's just turning away happening... Turning away, turning away, turning away. What happens? You stop making bids for connection. You just pull back. You just cease to try to connect. And that's sad. Carrie talked actually about this a couple weeks ago when she was talking about neurotheologian John Wilder's 
um, explanation for the neurobiological event that happens when someone is happy to be in your presence. Remember that? And just take this example of you make this bid for connection to connect with somebody and say, hello, how are you? You greet someone. And what do they do? They turn toward you and say, oh, good to see you. Oh, wow, happy to be here. Right? They turn toward you. What happens? Joy. Right? The neurobiological event is that when somebody's happy to be with you, you feel joy. And in that small interaction of a greeting of somebody, joy can can happen. And we know the other side as well, that when somebody, you greet somebody, you made a bid for connection, hey, how are you? And maybe they keep talking, but they don't turn their attention toward you. They continue to say turned away. They talk about themselves and the things that are on their mind, their concerns. They, they stay there, and they, they don't actually turn toward you. And you feel that disconnection. Or they might say, oh, well, how are you? And you start saying something, and they interrupt and go back to themselves. Or they correct you. Or you think about the things where they are not actually paying attention to you. They are still thinking about themselves. And if you are trying to make these bids for connection, and, and there's a lot of missing and ignoring and, and not happening and not paying attention, what next? You step back start shutting down, pull back. And if the hurt builds up enough, in those just small rejections, it might just cease to be a relationship. I saw this in a profound way in a TV show, which I'm not recommending to you. The bear, do you know the bear? If you know the bear, you know I'm not recommending the bear because you're going to go and tell your friend and then say, oh, my pastor said, and then they're going to tell their friend, oh, my pastor said, watch this show, and then they're going to watch the show, and it is such a foul language show. (laughs) So don't, I'm not recommending the bear. But I did find this clip amazing, right, that... There's a brother and a sister, and their brother died, and the brother came back and is trying to get the family restaurant going again, and just a lot of hurt and pain and ouch in the system, and they are trying to work it out, and we have a clip with all good language, and the first clip is the sister talking about bid for connection, so listen for the bid for connection. Let's take a look. You want to fight? Please. I know you're mad at me. This is just irresponsible. No, 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 no. I mean at your house. All the stuff you said. Yeah. Clearly. Uh, look, I think the thing that just pisses me off, and I'm probably too embarrassed to admit, is that you never ask me how I'm doing. Like, ever. You know, it's childish, but that's why I'm mad at you. We never spend any real time together. This place is eating you alive, you know. You always blame this place. Did you hear it? Her bid for connection, wanting him to turn his attention toward her, 
Why am I hurt? I'm mad at you because you never ask me, how are you? He doesn't turn his attention toward her. I mean, this is pretty profound. I mean, she had to do some serious work to get to this point where she could even identify and name and say this to him, right? Like, this is pretty profound to say, this is why I'm hurt. You don't turn toward me. But she is fighting for his attention. She's not going to give up. Well, here's Carmi's response. Let's take a look. I guess all the time I feel like I'm kind of trapped because I can't describe how I'm feeling. So to ask somebody else how they're feeling just seems uh, I don't know what to say. said can you relate to that where he's like I feel trapped I, I don't know what I'm feeling and so to ask somebody else how they're doing to make that kind of bid for connection just seems insane right so whatever your pain and you've pulled back you feel like Carmi like just pull back to self-protect in the pain When I first saw this clip, I practically jumped up out of the couch, and I said, that's it. I, that is so profound, because something deep in me connected with that frustration of the sister, right? Like, I want connection. I'm, I want it. I'm frustrated. I'm mad, right? Fighting for the relationship. And Carmi's pulled back, and he's too busy with the things in the restaurant. Like, he's just pulled back. But I can also relate with Carmi. Times like just like in my pulled back, like, I don't know. I can't make a bid. I can't respond to a bid. I'm just in a yuck. There was actually a time, I remember this in late COVID, where I consciously gave up asking people, how are you? Maybe because I didn't want to hear the answer anymore. But also, I needed to try some other different tactic for bid for connection. Right? Because it wasn't coming back. So, this is a crazy thing. Three years of COVID, right? What happens? The rope of our connection, the way we're braided together in life, in all our contexts and the ways that we were, the rope just started to be pulled apart. Right? I mean, you just think about the stay-at-home order, which was simply taking the strands and separating them, pulling them out. Right? And now the frustration of, of your, your system of being in this rope, your connection, now you feel alone <laughs> and isolated. You feel overwhelmed, and you don't have the rope, the system holding you together. <laughs> the worst thing in COVID, well, when this is pulled apart, where else were you going to go? What are you going to go do and replace it with? Blah, frustrating, right? 
Maybe you remember that. That's in the past, though. Now we are coming out. Here's what uh, C.S. Lewis famously said. There is no safe investment. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It won't be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. So what do we do? I think we turn to our body prayer that we did at the beginning. And we, we begin letting go of the things that, that hold us back from responding to bids for connection with each other. We, we let go of the things that are holding us back from making bids of connection and not giving up. We let go of those things getting in the way of us fighting for each other and not giving up. And we, we are filled by God in his belonging that he gives us. I mean, that is the place that we center and root in and then take it in for ourselves in order to go out, right, and make those bids, make those connections, and keep living. You know, at the beginning, we read several of the one another passages, and they're here in summary form on these pieces of paper. And since school is starting, hallelujah, um, you could treat this a little bit like a report card for yourself. You could go down this list and just check, how am I doing in these areas? Now, if you want to be super vulnerable, you could give this to, like, somebody else, maybe at work. Just give it to them and be like, hey, could you just give me a rating 1 to 10 how I'm doing any of these? And get some good feedback. Because this is the way God wants us to be living life in community with one another. These are the ways. Are we doing these things? Are you committed to those ways? Are you committed to being a part of the the rope, the community, carrying the weight of others, sharing your burdens too? What, What are you doing to be a part of something? I mean, you could imagine, Carmi, we, we just started season two, episode one. You can imagine for Carmi the opening up about to happen because his sister fighting for him, right? That he can start responding to bids. She can feel good about those bids. I mean, if you just imagine that you are being braided together in community, in relationship with, with people, what is the benefit to your life. I mean, it's very simple today because all you have to do is walk outside after church into the yard. And you know what? There's going to be a whole bunch of people. Many of you are going to be out there bidding for connection. Come, join us, please. And you could say, yes, I will turn toward you. I will show up. I will participate. Right? Right? 
You could say, yes, I will play in the band. I will serve communion. I'll love the kids, right? You could say yes and turn toward and then just see how that goes for this year ahead. Or imagine you sign up for one of these groups because we're doing the all-church group again, and you're like, yes, I'd like to be part of a group. And all these group leaders are like, bidding, please come join us. Would you turn toward them and say, yes, I will show up, and I will be there, and I'll participate? Or maybe you're thinking, actually, I want to make a bid to my friends and say, hey, friends, can we, can we do this together? I mean, to talk about vulnerable, your friends could be like, no, that's ridiculous. Who wants to be a part of that? But you know what? They might also say, oh, I was thinking the same thing. Let's do this. Let's do it together. Well, welcome to the house of belonging. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Will you be braided together with others? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we receive from you and we give into this world. May your grace make it true. Give us courage to face the vulnerability and to move toward others as we have been moved toward by you. Praise the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.